Welcome back to Your 1230, the only podcast where our guests tell their story with the help of 12 questions in ideally 30 minutes. This week, we are excited to be joined by Tony Redondo. Tony launched Cosmos Currency Exchange in 2020. Cosmos provides a multi-award winning relationship-based service allied to a proactive approach together with the convenience of local collection accounts in the US, Canada, the EU, as well as the UK. Every Cosmos client is offered a no-cost, no-obligation discovery session, so Cosmos can provide a bespoke, customized payment solution tailor-made to every client's specific needs. Tony, welcome. We are excited to have you today. Thank you very much for having me on, Mike. It's a pleasure. You got it. And I want to start there with Cosmos. Uh, so it's a fairly new company, a couple years old. Uh, mm-hmm. What led up to the uh, to, to its start, or how did you how did you find that Cosmos was... Uh, needed in the market? Um, I had a very long corporate career, 35 years working for a number of banks and brokers uh, in the UK, um, half of that time in the city of London and abroad. And um, really the answer, it wasn't a, a, a one light bulb moment, Mike. It was just as I progressed through my career, I saw the whole industry move away from relationships to transactions move away from personal service to self-service online only answers that left clients very short of, of assistance and guidance um, and then if there was a light bulb moment it was the Christmas of 2019 um, I was working for the last firm I worked for we went out for our Christmas meal in in, in what I call the gastro pub uh, so a pub that does more food than as much food as drink uh, in the UK and um, there was a really big table behind us, between us and the bar, uh, surrounded by quite a lot, quite a young crowd. And he was really, I mean, it's coming up to Christmas, you know, it was early December, it was three weeks before Christmas. There were quite a lot of noise in, in, in the place and what have you. But this table was super quiet all night. And I kept thinking, and as we went backwards and forwards to, to go and collect drinks and what have you, I kept thinking, what is going on at that table? Do they like each other or something? And what it was, it was a young crowd who was sitting around a table texting one another. <laughs> I don't know if you have that in the States, but, and I don't go to pubs very often, so I can't even tell you whether that's very common in the UK. But he just hit a nerve with me. I kept thinking about how, actually, if you were born uh, and raised in an era that you don't know life before the internet and before computers, You'd be right in assuming, that as far as you're concerned, that is everyday life. Whereas for somebody like me, who started off in 1985 in the city of London, it meant the first 10, 15 years of my working life was before computers and the internet. And the only way to do business was to talk to people. And to me, there was a gap in the market. And that's what I set up Cosmos to do. Um, you know, it's a very crowded marketplace, uh, currency broking. And, and providing payment solutions, um, but virtually everybody has gone towards technology-only online answers. So I saw a gap in market. Now, thank you for that backstory. That's uh, that kind of helps illustrate the need and uh, it's very uh, a very specific example of uh, relying on uh, technology as opposed to face-to-face communication. But if you could tell us a little bit about that marketplace, uh, who does Cosmos work with and, and what exactly uh, ser- what exactly is the service that's provided? Sure. So the service that we provide uh, is international payment solutions. 
So all that really entails, Mike, is to help clients move funds from one bank account to another bank account involving an exchange of currency. So that can be a private client, that can be a charity, that can be a business client. It might be somebody making a payment abroad to a supplier because you're importing a good or a service or what, a, what is increasingly happening these post-pandemic days is firms using overseas remote workers. So it might be the VA in the Philippines, it might be the marketing agency in India. Uh, it could, you know, the world is now quite a small oyster. Um, and, and so there's a, there's a requirement to move, in your case, US dollars, in, convert them into whatever the beneficiary's currency, home currency is. And you want to do that as easy as possible and as simple as possible. But the market simply is not set up to help you, the client, to do that. Because quite apart from anything else, rates of exchange change every three seconds, night and day. So you're a busy guy, you've got a payment to make, you think right in between that appointment and that appointment, I'll go online or I'll phone the bank or I'll log onto my platform or whatever the mechanism you've chosen to use. The trouble with that is you're taking pot shot that the rate of exchange is in the right place, but you haven't got time to monitor it. And even if you were, you wouldn't necessarily know what to do or what to look out for. So what we try and provide is a, a little bit more of a scientific answer where we find out exactly what your issue is. Are you making a payment abroad or are you receiving money from abroad? When are you receiving it? How much are you receiving it? When do you need to convert it by? And whilst technology is very advanced, you can't really have these conversations with an algorithm, <laughs> but you can with another human being. So we can build up a picture of your exact requirements because one size doesn't fit all. Your exact requirements provide a bespoke solution and then within your chosen solution time frame, we will monitor the markets. So for argument's sake, you've got to pay your supplier in Germany at the end of the month, but your dollars are available anytime. I will keep an eye on the market for you. So within your chosen time frame, when the dollar is strongest against the euro, I'll alert you to that opportunity. So that payment costs you the smallest amount of dollars possible. When you when you put it that way, it's very tough to argue with. Uh, I, I, I bet there are some in the market who like the technology piece and they're OK with, you know, not even being cognizant of the answer. Uh, but when you walk us through why it makes sense, why that one size fits all kind of fits no one, um, what kind of pushback have you had and how have you been able to uh, kind of overcome that and, you know, provide such, an, such a fantastic solution to so many? Yeah, the pushback is that the, uh, I'm lucky in, 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 over, in what has helped me overcome the pushback is two things. The first one is that in the UK, we have the most competitive currency markets in the world. Um, the UK, the banks are only responsible for 46% market share. Whereas in countries like the States and Canada and Australia, the banks are responsible for over 90% market share. And so UK clients are a lot more aware that there are possible solutions out there than in other parts of the world. So that kind of like helps because that's my home market. The second thing is that we're not anti-technology. Uh, you know, the technology these days is fantastically advanced and very clever. and We couldn't function without it. I guess whether it's because of personality or just my age, I don't know. But 
we're not anti-technology. I just don't see it as a god. I see it as a tool. So we use. Um, and the third part is that I come from a. I have a banking background rather than a sales background. And one of the things that my long career taught me is a lot of the issues clients have is not with the transaction. It's with the banking of the transaction. So a very quick uh, example. We launched in, in July 2020. Um, within six weeks, there was a second lockdown. That really knocked all our plans out of kilter completely, like it did a lot of businesses and a lot of people. Um, but the solutions to not only us surviving but moving on also came from the, that second and third lockdown. Because all of a sudden I have clients phoning me up, British clients exporting to the United States, saying my client and say so they can't pay me. And you think it's the biggest economy in the world, of course they can pay you. They might not want to, but that's another story. <laughs> but you then look into it and what you start to realise is that the US banking system, even if that client was to use one of the major top five banks in the States, because you are asking them to move dollars outside the United States, it's not something you can do online. You have to physically visit the branch. But the problem is with lockdown, the branches were shut. So you had this ludicrous situation in the 21st century where an exporting client in the fifth biggest economy in the world, the UK, is exporting to the biggest economy in the world, the US, and they're having a problem paying one another. So what we did is opened up a dollar account in New York now my british client can register with cosmos the invoice goes out with a dollar bank account in new york not in london that client in the united states is importing doesn't have to go to the bank just has an online ach online banking transfer to new york and we take care of the rest this episode of your 1230 is brought to you by accomplished re helping real estate agents achieve time location and financial freedom and a couple of things I want to just jump in with there. I, I love the fact that you uh, it spelled it out that the technology should be treated as a tool, not as something that needs to be run from, not as something that uh, should hinder the service or the uh, experience you're dividing or uh, delivering, but instead that it is something that can certainly provide a great benefit, and that's how it's being leveraged. And the second point is what really jumped out to me when we originally connected was that you identified a real pain point in the market, and I don't want to call it an easy solution, but you describe it in a way that you were able to streamline it for your clients, saying, hey, this is the current situation. This is a real headache for everybody involved. I can provide a solution that helps uh, not only the end user, but the person who ultimately wants to get paid. Uh, so it, it makes a ton of sense. And that kind of helps me into my next question here. Is I, I noticed in, in your bio is that uh, all your business comes from referrals currently. So how are you able to kind of build toward, I mean, it makes sense because you've got such an excellent service, but how are you able to build toward that in such a short amount of time? Um, I was lucky enough that I didn't start from scratch um, because of my long career. I've always been fortunate to have clients that have followed me from job to job uh, because even though the industry has moved away from my way of doing things, uh, I've always tried to stick to my guns, even when working for other people. And uh, and I've been lucky enough to have a loyal base of clients that have followed me and who are very happy to refer clients to me. And then with the advent of lockdown, 
the, the one thing that went really in my favour at a time of the lockdown was that all of a sudden everybody goes online and starts using technologies like we're using today, Zoom. Uh, and therefore, for the first time in 16 years, um, I, it didn't matter where you were um, you know, in the world. And I say 16 years because 16 years ago, uh, I moved with my wife from London to the southwest, extreme southwest of the UK. We're about seven hours away from London. Um, and it's a, it's a lovely part of the world. It's very rural, lots of countryside, beaches. Uh, we've got you know, water on three sides of us. It's a finger of land surrounded by water on three sides. But pre-COVID, it was, it was a bit difficult to run a business from because what makes it lovely is that we're so remote. But from a business point of view, that was difficult. But then with, with Zoom, everybody goes online and within a very short space of opening up, I started connecting with people uh, via social media and, and networking online with people in Australia and Canada and the States and South Africa and the Middle East. And for the first time, you know, in 16 years, it didn't matter that I was in Little Cornwall in the middle of nowhere. It really didn't matter. So that was a real bonus for us. And I think that also helps illustrate the point of technology being a tool and that as as the world is getting smaller and that you can work from different places, that there are going to need to be other solutions where it's a people solution as well as a technology. They can't rely on just one or the other, that there is going to need to be a balance of the two. And it looks like Cosmos has, has figured out a way to do that, uh, delivering uh, a service that again, is beneficial on both sides and, and is very valuable to, to somebody who may not even realize that I have a problem yet, that I, I don't know how to time the currency market, or I didn't even know that I couldn't send or receive money from a different country until, until it's too late. So I think that, is, that, you know, as you describe, it makes a ton of sense. Yeah. I mean, most people, it's quite interesting, Mike. Um, you know, when I explain to, to, to British clients who are thinking uh, about um, you know, starting up um, and exporting to the United States, the uh, overwhelming majority of, of US business transactions are still settled by check. You know, a very large majority of British business clients can't remember the last time they wrote the check out. <laughs> And uh, it, it sometimes is that lack of knowledge of each other's workplaces um, that in the olden days, when I first started banking in the city of London, of course, you had local knowledge. Everybody used a local bank manager who had come up through the ranks and could explain these things to people and smooth the waves. But of course, there isn't that local bank manager anymore. Uh, if there is the person there, the role is very different to what it used to be. So again, it, it's, it's trying to paper over the gaps of knowledge in the market to help people understand these will be the challenges, but these are the possible solutions available to you. Yeah, and, and, and the paper over term makes sense because, as as you said, you're almost filling that gap of of the low, of the person on the ground or just yeah, plugging in. This is how it would be handled no, not normally, or this is you know proper code of business. This is this is how it would be done. But you don't know that, and they may not know that. So you take care <laughs> of that behind the scenes, and that's where you need an actual person to kind of uh, kind of facilitate that. So uh, very well done. And, and like I said, I was impressed when we first connected and discussed this. And and as you walk me through the model and and how it how it helps so many folks, it it, it continues to be impressive. Thank you very much. 
Um, you've mentioned today a couple times a, a previous or a long career prior to Cosmos. Um, how has that kind of provided you to hit the ground running? You, you mentioned that a lot of clients had followed you along the way. I'm sure that's one. Um, but how else were you, uh, you know, speak in a specific example of like, I'm going to definitely continue to do things this way, or when I, when, I, when I do it my own, I'm definitely not doing it that way. Yeah. 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 Certainly the first part of my career was a very steep learning curve. Um, you know, I went into uh, banking at the age of 19. I was a young kid on the wrong side of the, of the tracks is uh, perhaps a, an expression you'd be familiar with. Um, and I got my break because in 1986, there was what was called Big Bang in the city of London. And all of a sudden, uh, financial services were liberalized by the second Thatcher government in the UK. And in came a flood of, of international banks, mainly US banks, who needed lots and lots of staff. Before 1986, you had to know, you had to know people to get into the club. Uh, after 1986, the doors were open. And, uh, and that was my big break. So it was a very steep learning curve. I worked full time. I went to Goldsmiths University four nights a week for five years to get my degree in business and finance. Uh, alongside the full-time career. To be frank, and without wishing to be unkind, the last 10, 15 years of my career started becoming, I think, equally valuable, but the reverse was true, how not to do things. Lessons learned on how not to do things. And the principal one touches upon an earlier question of yours about the, re the referrals only. Two, two things. I noticed in the last part of my career. The first one was that um, I worked with some pretty big brokers um, where budgets were not an issue. You know, one of the brokers I worked for um, 10 years ago was spending £50,000 a month on pay-per-click model. Wow. Which, you know, is quite a sizable budget. It's quite a chunky budget. But uh, another broker I worked for had a half-page advert on a Saturday edition of the premium newspaper, I guess, the New York Times or Chicago Tribune. Uh, there will be the equivalents in, in your case. So these are all quite big volume uh, brokers um, you know, with sizable budgets. But the truth is the best business year in, year out, always came from referrals. Always, because of that personal credibility. Uh, because it wasn't a cold call. It was just working a warm lead. Um, and, and that's really important. And the second thing that I learned really about how not to do things is I got a bit fed up, to be frank, Mike, in listening to young management teams in the morning at the morning meeting, talking about the importance of customer service and then seeing how customers really were treated throughout the day. And I thought to myself, well, great, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to start from zero because I've got this loyal band of clients to, to fall back on. But once I go beyond that and people don't know me, how am I, I going to make it as simple as possible for them to understand that when Cosmos talks about customer service, it's not just marketing, blah, blah, blah. We're serious about it. And there might be a more elegant answer out there. But the only thing I could think of is if we make ourselves totally dependent on referrals by not advertising, not marketing, not running pay-per-click campaigns, then it doesn't take too much to work out that if we're not serious about looking after clients and we don't look after them, guess what happens to the referrals? 
and particularly to starting at a time of a lockdown and a pandemic for the first time in a hundred years, um, it was really made it very easy when I meet people online, when I meet people, or when I get referred to people for the first time, that's the first thing I say is, look, you know, um, what you check us out, you do your due diligence, but you need to understand if you don't use me, it's a disaster. If you only use me the once, I've now got to replace you. It's still a disaster. The only way my business model works is if I can show you that I can provide you with an add-on service, that I can add value to your proposition, that I can help in any way, that you can be sure that I'm on your side, and therefore you will feel comfortable in giving me the opportunity of, of assisting you time and again, and perhaps referring me to other people, and perhaps even writing a nice testimonial that I can put on the website to show other new clients. And um, it, I was pretty determined to, to at least give it a go, and thankfully, it's so far so good. No, and the, the way you describe it, it shows that you can, if you're constantly looking to create new clients, new customers, that there is that need to have that advertising budget because you always need people coming in the front door. Uh, it sounds like your model has kind of transfixed that the model for advertising and put it into the customer service, into the client experience, so that um, you're not always looking necessarily for the next customer, but for the customer base that you have to go above and beyond. So they will come back and they will introduce you to uh, other people, other clients that they know. And that's the way that you've been able to grow such a strong business in a short amount of time. Uh, very well done. Thank you. Uh, I did want to ask, uh, you mentioned that most of your clients are, are or all of it sounds like, are, are a repeat or they are looking to use Cosmos more than just one time. Is Does it ever make sense for somebody who's got a one-time transaction, if I need to send money here or I've got a, a one-off type thing, where that would make sense for you? Or how would you counsel somebody who said, hey, this is, this is not normal for me or here's my situation. What can you do for me? What does that look like? Yeah, very happy to do that. Um, very happy to do that because if you need the service once, um, by helping, we're helping ourselves because we don't know who you know. And because of, of my longevity, I can tell you that in 37 years now in the industry, I've had so many conversations where people say, oh, you know, it's just a one-off, it's a one-off bill. And it never is because circumstances change. We never know what's going to happen tomorrow. And, uh, and it's very, very rare for me to just act on the one-off occasion for a client. But if it, if it is a genuine one-off, it's fine. It's one more transaction than I've done up to now. It's one more, more relationship. And it might be one-off for you, but who do you know that I don't know yet? Yeah, I absolutely, I absolutely love that answer because it's one of those things that if I continue to do the right things, give people what they're asking for and counsel them and advise them for what's in their best interest, again, you don't know what their future business looks like. And it's you leave that impression. It's like, you know, this guy, he didn't really need to do these things, but he went above and beyond, you know, ABC for me, you need to meet him because I know this is a big piece of your business. And that's the strongest word of mouth, you know, no, no advertising budget can replace exactly. that endorsement when he, you know, walks his friend into your office or now, as you mentioned, remote that zoom call. Uh, it's like, yeah. you need to meet Tony because <laughs> listen to what he did for me or listen to what he can do for you. Uh, so I, I'm with you on that a hundred percent that 
even if it looks like it's a limited opportunity or it's not something that there's a proper fit, if you uh, put that client's needs, wants, uh, and best interest up front, who knows what can come from it, especially if you're ac- acting in an altruistic manner where it's not like, well, what else can, what else can you do for me? Or who, you know, I'll do this one thing, but I need you to, to kind of help me on the back end. So uh, <laughs> I, I love that approach. Uh, somehow we're already, you know, nearing time here, Tony. I just want to make sure that we talk about it. Where can our listeners find you if they want to learn more about you, more about Cosmos, or if they want to see if it's a good fit for uh, their business or, or what their uh, their uh, overseas uh, currency exchange needs? Absolutely. So um, the easiest way is for our website. So www.cosmoscurrencyexchange.com. They can ring um, me uh, on. Uh, plus 44 for the UK, 300-124-6409. But all my contact details, including email, will be on the website. Excellent. So we'll post all of that. Um, but I did want to follow up with uh, a few questions non-Cosmos related. Uh, you've mentioned you've moved quite a ways away from London, perhaps the furthest point within the country to uh, <laughs> uh, what, uh, how, what does that look like today? It sounds like you love it still, but uh, what, what is what is your current uh, day or, or week look like uh, in the summer months here? Yeah, the summer months, it, it, it's the... Um... It's the holiday resort, I guess. Uh, it's the Florida of the UK, I think, is the best way to describe okay. it. So uh, it, it, we're in the middle of countryside. We have uh, the north, uh, the beaches on the north shore in about 25 minutes drive, and on the south shore about 35 minutes drive. So you're never too far away from water, uh, which is great. Um, but certainly since the pandemic, Mike, you know, the uh, with the uh, staycationing. Uh, craze, I guess it's um, the population swells about fifteenfold in, in, in the summer wow. months. Wow! Um, and it, it's an interesting place. I really, really like it. Um, but there's no motorways, for example, so it doesn't take a lot of traffic <laughs> to, for for the place to to kind of like seize up. So it's an interesting place in that for for those of us who live here. The summer months, July, August, Easter, Christmas, school ho- school holidays, are tend to be the times that we go out the least because everything you, you just gets super crowded. So we just okay. enjoy our back gardens uh, and the neighbours and company and what have you. Um, the rest of the year, um, you know, we've got a place to ourselves and then uh, we can go out and about our business. But yeah, it's uh, I really like it. I really like it, but I can't take any credit for it, Mike. Um, the reason we're here is that all my wife's uh, school-age holidays were in Cornwall. Um, so when we got together and wanted to start a family, um, there was only really one place that she had in her mind, and uh, I said yes, dear. <laughs> yeah, another thing we have in common, Tony, that all our good ideas come from our brilliant wives. And if we were just <laughs> smart enough to listen more often, we'd be in better position. So well done. Um uh, so that sounds lovely. I mean, when it, when you're talking about a 15x increase in population, that I think the, it would be difficult to say the least to get around. So it makes sense that you would uh, stay stay home or stay <laughs> close during those times. Uh, you also have quite the uh, list of hobbies and uh, kind of interests outside of, of work. I'm going to start with how, how does one become an amateur uh, astronomer? Yes. So uh, I'm lucky enough. There's um. There's a very good uh, local uh, interest group, uh, the Cornwall Astronomy Society. 
full of people with years and years of experience, some in astrophotography, some in different parts of sciences. It's something that I've always been interested in all my life. The name of the company comes from my interest in, in, in all things space related. And I'm not joking when I say that I was very relieved when I checked with UK Companies House to make sure that the name Cosmos Currency Exchange was available. Because if it wasn't, I would have no idea what to call the company. It was the only, <laughs> only name I had in my mind. Um, I was lucky enough to be born in Southern Africa uh, many moons ago. And um, because of the tilt, the tilt of the Earth, Mike, the southern hemisphere points towards the middle of the Milky Way and we in the north point away. So for every one star we see, there are hundreds of stars in the southern hemisphere. So uh, my parents tell a story of uh, putting me up with uh, putting some blankets on top of the uh, of the roof of the car and putting me up there with my ever patient godfather, who was very knowledgeable about such things. And he would sit up there and point out all the constellations and the stars and the comets and everything else and uh, I've had a lifelong interest in in astronomy so uh, and because again Cornwall is quite rural I'm about 20 minutes away from the nearest dark skies area so if I know there's something happening I'll set my alarm clock for city o'clock overnight and put the travel bin, travel binoculars or travel telescope in the back of the car and off I go <laughs> very nice no that's uh, that's a great story and I, and I love that you tied it into uh, the name of your business so that's uh uh, it's clearly something more than just a hobby. Uh, my last question I'll ask you here, it seems like you're also a sports fan. Um, I'm going to mm -hmm. let you pick the sport, pick the team, tell me how crazy, crazy you are, uh, because sometimes, uh, sometimes it's just a hobby, sometimes it's a way of life. So you tell, you tell me. Tell me about your, uh, your, uh, your rooting interest in sports. Yeah, I played a lot. I was lucky enough. I played a lot of sports going through school and college. Uh, and into my 20s and 30s and then coached uh, as well and I've had some you know fantastic opportunities throughout my life um, the, the, the one that comes immediately to mind that it will be very easy for you to, uh, to, to relate to is um, I nearly emigrated to Vancouver in Canada in the 1990s and uh, I had some interviews with some Canadian banks in London and I got shortlisted and flown out to Vancouver for 10 days and it just so happened during those 10 days that the Chicago Bulls were in town <laughs> and you know you might have heard of people like Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen and Dennis Rodman and etc 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 and uh, I went in for my first interview with the vice president of the bank we got on very well he took me to this amazing dim sum restaurant in a revolving tower um, and uh, asked me to come back two days later uh, for, for the final interview and um, he then said oh well, what are you doing tomorrow night and I said well you know I'm, I'm here for 10 days I'm looking around the place but I haven't got any nighttime plans I usually have something to eat and go back to the hotel I said are you into basketball so, yeah I love basketball I played a lot of basketball I was six foot tall at the age of 11 so uh, I played a lot of basketball uh, when I was a kid so he goes, great, uh, you know, uh, meet us in such and such and uh, what hotel are you staying at? Okay, we'll pick you up and off we go. And so I was lucky not only to see the Chicago Bulls live, but in, in the corporate hospitality back box. So uh, that was tremendous. And, That's the way uh, to do it. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So yeah, tremendous. 
Um, I've also been lucky enough to be in New York uh, at a time of seeing the New York Giants with Lawrence Taylor, um, number 56, LT, uh, playing, and that was again a tremendous experience. The only thing I've yet to do is to see a live baseball match. That, that is definitely on the bucket list. All right. Well, it's. I mean, I've been I've been called a sports opportunist, but I'm going to use that uh, to describe the uh, experience of, of seeing the Giants in LT, and of course seeing uh, Jordan's Bulls in person as well. So uh, I think that you've uh, you've done well into uh, to see those. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I look forward to your opportunity to see American baseball. It is, uh, you know, it's uh, it's it's one of those sports that you definitely need to see in person because it's uh, it's it's a great sport to uh, to be present at. So uh, I look forward to you having that opportunity. Uh, but <laughs> thank, you. Th- thank you for your time today, Tony. This was a ton of fun. Uh, listeners, check out Cosmos. Uh, they are uh, obviously, as as we've heard, uh, very uh, client centric and providing the best service for their clients. So uh, Tony, thank you for joining us today. Thank you very much for having me on, Mike. You got it.